My name is Lucas Owen. I uncover the most cutting edge health information on the planet, ranging from hormones, nutrition, supplementation, fat loss, biohacking, longevity, wellness, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. I think what makes a good scientist is the ability to be open-minded and willing to change one's mind. What I'm going to do is actually outline three key supplements that I've changed my mind on over the years. So what I want to first start with is multivitamins. Now, multivitamins are very popular in the health and wellness space, and most individuals are actually taking a multivitamin on a daily basis. Now, initially, I did think that they were very powerful, very good for your overall health until I dived a lot deeper into the specifics around the dosages and the forms that are used in these multivitamins. Now, I do want to quickly share a bit of a story when I was younger, when I was in year 10, which is you know around 16 years of age, that's when I first started taking multivitamins. I was also taking uh, omega-3s and fish oil and some other nutrients and amino acids. And I definitely noticed an increase in energy when I first started taking a multivitamin, but I don't think it was actually due to the B vitamins or the um, nutrients. I actually thought it was due to the Panax ginseng, the ginkgo biloba, and some of the other herbs that they put into this specific multivitamin that I used back in the day. And over the years, I looked deeper into the different ingredients and I actually fell in love with the whole idea around understanding ingredients and dosages and formulas. And you know, that's when I got involved in a, in a startup where I actually helped to formulate a nootropics product or a nootropic-based um, capsule. And I learned a lot about different dosages and what works and what doesn't. Now, as I've evolved in my perspectives and understood science from a different perspective as well, I've come to the conclusion that many multivitamins are actually poorly dosed and many also use the wrong forms of ingredients. Now, in my opinion, most people should not be using a multivitamin. And in my opinion as well, I think that they should not be used every single day. Whilst you see on the packet, most products say that you should take a multivitamin every single day, you can accidentally end up overdosing on various ingredients. And this is commonly seen with some of the fat-soluble vitamins. So we can see here in this first formulation, they're using vitamin A as retinol palmitate. Um, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K2 are all fat-soluble vitamins. And you just need to remember this, that these fat-soluble vitamins are definitely able to be built up and they saturate and accumulate in the body. And I've seen a number of individuals get vitamin D toxicity from combining their multivitamin with a vitamin D supplement as well. And they end up taking too much vitamin D that leads to hypercalcemia and they, it leads to high calcium in the blood, which can cause massive anxiety, palpitations and issues with overall nervous system functioning. In addition, we see different ingredients such as vitamin B6. You've seen me talk about the dangers of taking too much vitamin B6. What can happen is it, that these multivitamin supplements, I mean, you can see here, this one's using 50 milligrams of pyridoxine HCL. 
But if you're taking this particular supplement every single day for two, three, four months on end, and you're taking that vitamin B6 in that dosage, and then perhaps you're taking like a magnesium supplement at nighttime, which is a separate supplement that also might contain vitamin B6, you could end up be consuming, I don't know, anywhere from 75 milligrams to all the way up to 100 milligrams of vitamin B6 every single day. And that can become toxic, lead to nerve damage and all that sort of stuff. The other question is, how do you know that your body needs all of those specific ingredients and nutrients found in a multivitamin? The only way you can possibly be sure of this is by doing a blood test um, and to see if you actually have a deficiency in vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K2, or the B vitamins. Now, obviously, not many individuals have the ability to just go and get a blood test and check for all of these specific vitamins that would cost a lot of money and most doctors will not be bothered doing that at all. And so maybe you're just deficient in maybe two or three of these vitamins and you don't actually need any more, you know, perhaps vitamin B2 or you don't need any more vitamin B12. You eat plenty of organ meats and so you don't need any more zinc, for example. Um, So the question I really want to ponder and get you to ask yourself is should you be taking a multivitamin? Over the years, my stance on multivitamin supplementation is only under extreme scenarios of malnutrition, veganism, or a really crappy poor diet. That is when a multivitamin can come in, help to replenish some deficiencies. And then once you're finished with the serving, the actual perhaps like 30-day supply, then you don't need to keep taking it long-term. And this is where it comes back to doing objective testing. And this is where blood testing comes in to assess your status for various minerals and vitamins. Because remember, more is not always better when it comes to vitamins. That's a really critical lesson that I learned and it took a lot of maturity and um, diving deep on scientific literature that not all vitamins need to be megadosed and you don't see even further benefits from megadosing certain vitamins. There are some in some situations, for example, megadosing vitamin B1 can give you extra energy and motivation and drive. Um, taking high doses of biotin can help to lower blood sugar levels. Taking very high doses of vitamin C can also help with the immune system. But some of these vitamins should not be megadosed. So That's something I really want to emphasize to you guys when it comes to multivitamin supplements. Just do yourself a favor. Make sure you're checking the back of the the ingredient panel, reading every single ingredient, making sure they're not overdosing on specific um, formulas or different uh, ingredients. And then also ask yourself, do you even notice a difference in your health and energy when you take a multivitamin? Maybe you even feel more energy when you don't take your multivitamin because you're not lowering cortisol with all these fat-soluble vitamins or perhaps you're not lowering estrogen so much with these fat-soluble vitamins. Just be more self-aware. Have a look at your ingredient panel. Make sure you observe and assess your overall health with and without a multivitamin. Now, the next supplement that I actually am a big fan of is actually D-ribose, which is a special sugar that can help to 
increase the body's energy reserves, very similar to creatine monohydrate. Now, D-ribose has been used extensively in chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. And we can see that this first study here was titled, The Use of D-ribose in Chronic Fatigue Syndrome and Fibromyalgia, a Pilot Study. And so the results of this study indicated that 41 patients were diagnosed with fibromyalgia syndrome or chronic fatigue. And we can see that they were given a dose of five grams of D-ribose three times a day. Um, and so what they noted was that approximately 66% of patients experienced significant improvements whilst on D-ribose with an average increase in energy on the VAS of 45% and an average improvement in overall well-being of 30%. In conclusion, D-ribose significantly reduced clinical symptoms in patients suffering from fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome. All right, now I get it. Most people listening in probably don't have fibromyalgia or they probably don't suffer from chronic fatigue syndrome. But if you do suffer from a mild fatigue or an underlying fatigue, perhaps in the afternoon, where you just feel like you're crashing... This is where D-ribose might come in and actually be of assistance. D-ribose might be a beneficial supplement to help with general malaise, um, apathy, lack of motivation. And in my, in my case, in particular with D-ribose, I definitely notice more energy. Um, it reduces the crash from caffeine in particular, definitely noticeable, um, reduces the crash there. And we can see here, this next study was titled Effect of D-ribose Supplementation on Delayed Onset Muscle Soreness Induced by Plyometric Exercise in College Students. And what they concluded in this particular study was that D-ribose supplementation reduces muscle soreness, improves recovery of muscle damage, and inhibits the formation of lipid, peroxide, lipid peroxides. Young adult males performing plyometric exercises are likely to realize a DOMS reduction through consumption of D-ribose in 15 gram dosages, both before one hour and after one, 12, 24, 36 hours after exercise. These results suggest that approximately timed consumption of D-ribose may induce a similar alleviation of exercise-induced DOMS in the general public. So if you're someone who gets DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness, D-ribose might be a beneficial supplement for you to minimize that soreness and fatigue post-workout. There is a little scare though associated with D-ribose. It is the fact that very, very high doses of D-ribose may induce Alzheimer's pathology via um, increasing plaque buildup in the brain. But this particular side effect, I believe, can be easily reversed. For example, here, Berberine rescues D-ribose-induced Alzheimer's pathology via promoting mitophagy. And there are many different supplements out there and herbs that can have an anti-Alzheimer's effect or help to minimize Alzheimer's pathology, particularly in animal studies. Um, so this doesn't really concern me from D-ribose. You don't hear about you know, people that have developed uh, Alzheimer's in their 40s or 50s from taking D-ribose at like 10 grams per day for years like we just don't hear about that we don't really see that clinically so in my opinion i think the risk of alzheimer's associated with d-ribose is overblown in fact i think what's more risky is actually 
you know, being outside, exposing your body to toxins and pollutants, exhaust chemicals, like these are, and even for example, using deodorant that has harmful chemicals or perhaps you're using fluoride-rich toothpaste, these are more likely to induce Alzheimer's than taking a supplement, a, a really powerful chronic fatigue supplement. Um, supplement number three that I've changed my mind on is actually Bacopa monnieri. So Bacopa monnieri, we studied this particular herb in relation to natural herbs that can support memory. And so our, in Ayurveda, uh, this medicine has been used for almost 3,000 years. So one of its main traditional uses has been as a neural tonic to support intelligence, cognitive performance, nervous system rejuvenation, and brain function. Now, these traditional uses have made it a favorable or, or a very favorite uh, nootropic herb. Now, scientific studies on Bacopa monnieri have focused primarily on cognitive function and mood. It's crazy because you see these studies where they look at how these herbs affect mood. And in these animal studies, a lot of them have antidepressant effects. You'll see in an animal study that it says it has an antidepressant effect by increasing serotonin. But then you look at what it happens or what actually translates into humans that it doesn't appear to have that same effect. And in fact, what I'm about to emphasize here is that Bacopa monnieri, I've changed my mind on. I do not recommend Bacopa monnieri at all. I rarely prescribe it to clients and I just do not recommend it because it has a nasty side effect that's somewhat similar to ashwagandha. Now, before I get into that nasty side effect, I do want to share this particular study. It was titled Effects of 12-Week Bacopa monnieri Consumption on Attention, Cognitive Processing, working memory and functions of both cholinergic and monoemergic uh, systems in healthy elderly volunteers. So that was a positive finding on various parameters associated with executive functioning. But it's actually this next study that really caught my eye and explains all of the nasty side effects we see with Bacopa monnieri. So this study here was titled Bacopa monnieri leaf extract upregulates tryptophan hydroxylase TPH2 and serotonin transporter expression, CERT expression, implications in memory formation. Now, if we look at what this particular Reddit anecdote said about Bacopa monnieri and this Bacopa lethargy, numerous anecdotes have reported lethargy, anhedonia, and decreased motivation. After three weeks of supplementing with Bacopa myself, I was forced to stop because of intense lethargy unaffected by amphetamine or caffeine. So Bacopa monnieri is so powerful at making someone lazy and apathetic and anhedonic that even caffeine and amphetamines don't have any effect in this particular scenario. You look up online on Reddit right now, go and have a look at Bacopa monnieri fatigue, Bacopa monnieri tiredness, laziness, motivation. You'll see that Bacopa will definitely affect motivation and drive. And why would you take a supplement that would have that effect on your body? There are many other supplements you can use to enhance memory. Don't use Bacopa monnieri and try and push through the side effects if you notice the apathy, laziness, um, it just makes you procrastinate more. 
I absolutely hate Bacopa Monieri. I feel so fatigued and tired and lazy and everything is a lot harder when life should be, you should be using things that make life easier, not more difficult. Bacopa makes my life a lot more difficult. It makes filming these videos more challenging because I don't have the right energy and drive and motivation to just crush it. Bacopa makes going to the gym a lot harder because I don't have that, you know, that um, adrenaline-y, dopamine, excitement, thrill feeling. That's why I don't like Bacopa Monieri. And we see a number of individuals complaining of this particular side effect. And so I've changed my mind on Bacopa Monieri for that very reason. So that pretty much wraps up today's podcast episode. If you learned something new, please do me a favor and leave a five-star review for the podcast channel. Otherwise, guys, thank you so much for listening in. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.